Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425 if you would like to be a part of this year program. I want to start, look, we're a week from Christmas. I'm actually, after Friday, going to step away a couple of days. I'll be back, of course, for Christmas Eve. I'm, I'm always here for Christmas Eve for you guys, uh, provided it's on a weekday. Uh, I will be back so no one else has to fill in for me, uh, delivering my annual Christmas Eve show. So put it on your calendar, noon to three. You'll get my Christmas Eve show next week. But uh, there's a story in the Wall Street Journal today. I want to talk about it because it's, it's relevant to a whole lot of stories out there, and it may otherwise fly under the radar, but I actually think it's a pretty big deal. This is from Ian Lovett at the Wall Street Journal. Religious affiliation in the United States has continued to fall during the pandemic, according to a new survey from the Pew Research Center. The percentage of Americans who identify as Christians now stands at 63%, down from 65% in 2019 and from 78% in 2007. Meanwhile, 29% of Americans now identify as having no religion, up from 26% in 2019 and 16% in 2007, when Pew began tracking religious identity. Many places of worship closed during the pandemic, some voluntarily, others as a result of state and local social distancing rules, and in-person church attendance is roughly 30% to 50% lower than it was before the pandemic, estimates Barna Group, a research firm that studies faith in the U.S. Millions of Americans move to worshiping online, and questions linger about how many will come back in person. A recent Pew survey in January found that a third of Americans said their faith has grown stronger during the pandemic, the highest share of any developed country. But overall, religious engagement trended downward at roughly the same rate as before the pandemic. This story, I think, is more important than most people probably realize. Study after 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 study, you get the point? Study after study shows people of faith, particularly Christians, tend to be more optimistic, have more hope, be in better spirits, live longer, are healthier, and less prone to depression, despair, fear, uh, and the like. When you lose your belief in a God, you lose your hope. Now, for those of you who don't know, the word hope in the New Testament is actually better translated in most cases, not all cases, but when we talk about the hope of the resurrection in the New Testament, it means the profound certainty of Profound certainty of. Your hope does not mean I wish for a resurrection. I I, I yearn for, I, I, I want to believe. Please let it be true. It means you have profound certainty that it's real. And as you lose that hope, what you're actually losing is that profound certainty. And when you lose your profound certainty, Doubt creeps in, and when doubt takes over, despair creeps in. It is no coincidence that as we have seen a decline in people having hope in a faith, 
we're seeing an increase in suicide. As we have a decline in a Christian belief in this country, we have an increase in fear and people being scared of a virus. It is no coincidence that the Christians in this country are the ones who are most likely to live around and through COVID than those who are secular atheists in this country who are in many cases, particularly in progressive enclaves, still living in fear. I mentioned yesterday the story in The Atlantic that uh, someone wrote a story in The Atlantic that outside of a few progressive enclaves in this country, major metropolitan areas, most people are living as if COVID's not a thing. And the mass hysteria it caused among progressives online was a little bit overboard. The number of people saying they were canceling their subscriptions to The Atlantic, this was a dangerous, dangerous story. All the guy did, I, I had to read this dangerous story, and all the dangerous story said was that overwhelmingly, outside of certain progressive enclaves in the country, people have just moved on from COVID. They don't care anymore. The outrage was fitting for what this guy said. In, in progressive enclaves, people are scared of a microbe they can't see. They don't have hope. Part of why they don't have hope is what is creeping in along with the doubt and the despair. Scientism. Scientism is a worship of science. Science is a tool. Some of the biggest names in the scientific community in the last couple of centuries were Christians. You might have heard of Isaac Newton. You might have heard of Galileo. You know, the guy who came up with the idea of the Big Bang was a Jesuit priest. Albert Einstein didn't want to believe it because he thought it was just this Jesuit priest who was a world-renowned physicist as well, that it was just his way of explaining let there be light in Genesis 1. But even Einstein came around to that theory. When you go with scientism instead of science, you go with a belief in science. And the problem here is that God can't fail you. And when you're worshiping science, you're worshiping a God that regularly fails you. We are now a year from the anniversary date of the unveiling of the Pfizer vaccine. The Pfizer vaccine was promised that if we take this amazing, miraculous research into mRNA technology, we develop a vaccine, and in fact, they came up with the vaccine within 48 hours of getting the genome sequence. Within 48 hours... They knew how to they they knew what vaccine needed to be made. A supercomputer gave them the instructions. It took a year almost to actually manufacture and get the assembly lines going for the vaccine, but it was known within 48 hours we could make a vaccine. And a year ago today, Americans started getting the Pfizer vaccine. And it was heralded as everybody get the vaccine and we'll be fine. We'll 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 end COVID. Guess what? The vaccine, it's not really failing us per se, but in a lot of people's minds it is. We were promised a vaccine that would get rid of COVID. What we've got is a vaccine that mitigates the damage from COVID. Science failed. Except science doesn't really fail. Science only fails when you replace your worship of the divine with the worship of creation. When you place your, your hope in the scientific community, the scientific community will eventually fail you. I continue to believe 
that one day we will learn what scientific advances were in life were suppressed by the pro-abortion community who knows that under the Roe Casey standard, viability is when abortions can be banned, and so they have stopped the development of science that would allow for earlier viability. Wouldn't surprise me at all to find that out. Scientism fails you. When you lose your faith in the divine, when you lose your hope, you are prone to despair. You are prone to depression. You are prone to putting your faith in something that will eventually let you down. Now, the corollary here is, and some of you are probably saying this right now, Bill Erickson, you put your faith in a God and your wife has an incurable form of cancer. How's that working out for you? I mean, it's true. You all should see the mail I get. I correspond with a guy. He lives in Great Britain. Um, he, he works for a number of notable um, people on the Food Network and others, and he's asked me this question. He didn't mean to be hostile. Just how, how can you believe this BS, his words? How can you believe this? Well, one, gives me hope in the hereafter that uh, my wife, one day, uh, the medicines will probably stop working. We will cross that bridge when we get there. God willing, it'll be a long time. Uh, but one day, I mean, her cancer, there's no cure. Maybe one day there will be a cure. But, you know, the weird thing about my wife's cancer is you take you do a lung transplant in my wife because the tumor is stage four, but it's only stage four because it's in all four lobes of her lungs. It hasn't spread. In fact, they're not even growing. This medicine she takes every day, the tumors don't grow. One day, the medicine, by the way, is supposed to stop working after two years. She's been on it for five. Still works. One day it will stop working. If they did a lung transplant of my wife, you know what would happen? Eventually, the cells of the lung transplant would become her cells, and her cells have the mutation, and we would do this all over again. So this guy, and me having talked about this before, reached out to me and says, how, how can you believe this? Isn't it cruel? I said, no, it's not cruel at all. It gives me hope. And he just could, couldn't understand the hope. Isn't this a whimsical, fictional hope? Like, no, I, I believe in the profound certainty of the resurrection. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a wishful thinking thing. It's, it's I know this is real. By all of the standards of history, something clearly happened. It gives me real hope that this is going to happen. A lot of people have lost that hope. And, and this guy said, well, how can it be fair? Why would you worship a God that did this? It's like, look, life sucks. It does. My gosh, mass shootings, people going into schools, killing kids, plane crashes, cancer. I'm living the life with cancer. Yeah, life sucks. But in, in my religion, my, my God loved me so much he was born in a manger. We will celebrate it a week and a few days from now. Lived a perfect life and was still murdered on a cross and overcame it so that I can too. Gives me hope. A lot of people don't have hope anymore. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to witness to you here. I'm, maybe I should save that for the, for the Christmas Eve show. My point here, though, is that as fewer and fewer Americans hold on to that hope, they move very quickly into despair. And there's no answer for it because the answer ultimately to replace it is people. If there is no God, all there are are us. And what happens when there are just us, your eschatology becomes very, very perverted, very twisted, because when you die, there's nothing left. 
And so you want to hang on as long as you can. This is why you have all these atheist billionaires out there trying to develop all sorts of techniques to keep themselves alive. They don't want to go into the hereafter because they believe there's nothing there. They want to stay here as long as they can. So you, you divert your money into things that, that are, are ephemeral, that, that are fleeting. And you live your life in fear. You can't take risks. I realize it's probably apocryphal, but there was a story in World War II that Franklin Delano Roosevelt couldn't get them to make enough progress on the atomic bomb. They needed the atomic bomb, and then he dies, and Harry Truman takes over and is finishing the work on the atomic bomb and preparing to drop the atomic bomb. And the scientists were so scared that they could do something wrong and wind up blowing up the entire planet that Truman said, make sure all the scientists are Christians because Christians have an eschatology about a second coming in a new heaven and new earth, and they're not going to be so cautious as to make sure the project doesn't work. Now, I assume that's an apocryphal story. I've heard it from multiple sources. I can't find the original documentation of it. But it kind of makes sense. Christians are the risk takers, more so than any other faith, by the way, because the the, the Christian faith is the only one that's not a, a, a by works religion, a self-salvific religion. You can't do anything yourself to gain salvation. You got to look elsewhere. When you turn away from it into secularism, it's all self-salvific. You save yourself. Well, you can't save yourself when Jim Bob and his 18-wheeler next door gas guzzling pickup truck doesn't want to give it up for a Tesla to save the planet. Things go out of your control and you can't save them. So, yeah, I actually think this is a very big story for the Wall Street Journal that Christianity continues to fade in this country. We don't have an answer for what comes next. We can see it playing out, though, right now among people who are in hysterics over COVID, who demand that you wear a mask, that you're killing them if you don't, by the people who are in despair that the vaccines are not doing what they said they would do. They're not stopping the virus. We see it in the growth and suicide. We see it in the despair. We see it in the depression. Bad things come when people lose their hope. And there's, by the way, a role there for the churches out there to try to find these people and, and restore their hope. Maybe stop telling them what they want to hear. Maybe stop giving them the the, the um, hokey pokey sermons that you sometimes do. Maybe, maybe start giving them some truth out there. Maybe bring some of these people back. People are clearly looking for something, but what they're finding is something that gives them no comfort because what they're finding right now in, in society is a science that is failing them to keep them safe from a virus that drives them to despair. They need hope. They need the hope that comes from next week. Friend us this, this day, a child is born who will be the mighty king, the counselor, the prince of peace. You can find your hope in the manger, not under the Christmas tree, but in the manger. A lot of people have missed that. As we head into next week, we should probably be mindful of that. There are a ton of people out there in the world who have lost hope. It is translating into despair. It is translating into suicide. It's translating into anger and rage that we see playing out on the political stage. Even some people, self-purported Christians, they've really lost their hope, and they're trying to find their salvation in politics, and they're not going to find it there. So you might want to be a little loving to some of these people. You probably know them, given the data. I'm sure you do. There are enough of them out there in all of our circles of friends, people who've lost hope, that remind them that it's not a wishful thinking hope. It's a profound certainty hope, and you can profoundly be certain that it's real, and that should then pull you out of your despair. 
For several years when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom to be an on-call lawyer for them. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in the country that really racks up wins, both state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. People have a Christian conservative worldview. Since leaving my law practice, I volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues and understand the state of play on cases around the country from local city councils all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now I'm glad to have ADF as an advertiser, but honestly, I'd be encouraging you to support them this time of year anyway. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes donations from you and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the Supreme Court of the land all the way down to the local level. Right now, ADF has received a matching grant, so all new donors will have their gifts matched. All you have to do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson today and donate. adflegal.org slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Well, there's some breaking news happening right now. 26 after the hour, the Democrats are shelving Build Back Better. It has just been announced by Bernie Sanders. Instead... They're going to go on to voting rights. They want to pursue the voting rights legislation. Now, here is the question. Build Back Better, they could get through on reconciliation. With Build Back Better, they could get through with 50 plus one votes in the Senate. 50 Democrats plus the vice president. With Build Back, but with uh, voting rights, they got to overcome the filibuster. So do they believe that Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema? are going to nuke the filibuster. Do they think that? Because will they say, well, the precedent's been set for the debt ceiling, so why not for voting rights? Um, this this is, uh, look, McConnell kind of fell into this trap himself. I, I got to acknowledge that. McConnell thought he could cut a deal and it would just be a deal on on. The debt ceiling, and now suddenly the Democrats like, well, if we can if we can scrap the filibuster on the debt ceiling, why can't we do it on this this thing we want? Of course, why not then on this thing we want? Why not on this thing we want? Uh, that's the end of the filibuster. I can't imagine that Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema go down this road, but here we are now, uh, a week and a few days before Christmas. Congress will be leaving shortly for the Christmas break. And they've decided to scrap the thing they've worked on for the entire year at the very end to get to the thing they can't pass without nuking the filibuster, which Manchin and Cinema have said they're not going to do. That actually is an interesting thing to me, that they would think about doing this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they maneuver did mansion or cinema say or i mean it's got to be both did mansion or cinema say they would get rid of the filibuster for voting rights i last i checked they didn't last i checked they they were not going to my guess however is what this is is messaging this is messaging. They're not for real. They know it can't pass, but they're trying to find a way to turn the tables on the Republicans. And they have the entire media apparatus of America on board with this. They're trying to do something different. They can't get Build Back Better passed. That's the problem. So they've got to distract by now going for voting rights legislation. But here's the problem. The voting rights legislation, they can't pass it either. They have a better chance of passing Build Back Better because they don't need to get rid of the filibuster. 
and they're not going to get rid of cinnamon or I mean, how are the Democrats suddenly so bad at politics? I wasn't going to talk about that, but I think we need to discuss this when we come back. Americans continue to navigate through multiple crises this year. We the People, a Bradley Speaker series, offers insights and ideas on the current challenges we face from some of the remarkable organizations the Bradley Foundation supports. Visit bradleyfdn.org liberty to watch their most recent episode, which features Stephen Suckup, author of The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, How Political Correctness Captured Big Business, and Encounter Books Publication. In this episode, Sokup discusses the left's gradual takeover of corporate America and why the free market hasn't been able to prevent it, the dangerous impact of shareholder activism, and efforts to push back on it. That's Bradley with an L-E-Y at the end and then fdn.org slash liberty to watch the videos. Bradley, fdn.org slash liberty to watch the videos. New episodes debut weekly. Go back often, subscribe to the YouTube channel, be notified whenever a new one is posted. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. How are the Democrats suddenly? It's like they've forgotten how to do politics. If you're just tuning in, there's some breaking news here. The Democrats have decided to ditch Build Back Better in favor of the Voting Rights Act. The former Build Back Better does not need more than 50 votes in the Senate to pass. The Voting Rights Act needs 60 votes to overcome the filibuster. I do they know do uh, mansion cinema? Are they going to ditch it? I'm I, I got questions. I got questions. But then there's the crime issue as well. Nancy Pelosi suddenly out there screaming that uh, crime is off the charts and we need to do something about crime in America. That it's it's all bad now, she says, and it's just it's we need to crack down on crime. This comes at the same time the mayor of San Francisco, who supported defund the police, now says we need to beef up the police and be tough on criminals. Wonder what the polling has showed the Democrats around the country. They're suddenly trying to crack down on crime right before Christmas. On this topic, to the phones we go. Mark, you're going to be next. Welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad you kind of gave me that opening because our mayor here in Atlanta is putting up lights to uh, lower the percent of crime by supposedly 20, 20 percent lowering of crime to shine the light on the streets to actually give the criminals somewhere to actually look to do their crimes. <laughs> and it's an initiative. You got to love these initiatives that they like to take on. She was on the uh, World Economic Forum doing these initiatives. They like to use that word. It's uh, one of the euphemisms that they like to use as a way to, you know, promote their ideas right. out there. Yeah. Okay. And they so love initiatives. So what they're doing in Atlanta, and, and Mark, thanks for that because I had not heard the story until you called it. And I had to look it up. Um, what they're doing in Atlanta to fight crime, Atlanta, like other big cities around the country, is having a crime wave. So they're putting in uh, a bunch of new lights. They're going to upgrade right-of-way lighting on over 3,100 Atlanta roads across more than 100 neighborhoods. Uh, they will, they're going to be using LED lights so that they will reduce their carbon footprint of the process. But then they expect to install 10,000 new lights in the city by 2022. Here's one thing you do need to know. There actually is a lot of data. There's a ton of data out there that more lights at night actually does help reduce crime. Uh, people who put up lights so that the criminals can be seen, 
make it less likely for the criminals to want to be seen, very much like roaches scurrying when you turn on the lights, you turn on the lights, and the criminals scurry as well. Uh, well Well-lit houses tend to be ones that are less likely to be broken into than houses where the lights aren't on. So there, there is some logic in what the city of Atlanta is doing. Uh, at the same time, though, where are the more police officers as well? We do need more police officers in the city of Atlanta and in other cities around the country as well. It's not a bad initiative. It, for example, uh, there are a lot of studies that show gas stations at night, the best lit gas stations are the ones people go to. So that's why you see big gas stations like the Quick Trip and the Circle K and the Flash Foods. They upgrade their lighting. I mean, it, it's like you're, you're out there in the daylight. There are so many lights at night. It's because people feel safer at a gas station that's well lit. People feel safer at a gas station that's well lit in large part because the data shows Muggings are more likely to happen in gas stations that are not very well lit and not very well trafficked. So you put up lights, a lot of criminals won't actually go into those areas. They'll go into the darker areas. It's Look, it's it's something. The problem is it's, it's only one thing. In the last several weeks, there have been a series of smash and grabs that even members of the media are speculating were in some way coordinated. Not all of them coordinated, but each individual one coordinated in some way over the internet, that people knew where to go, people knew when to show up, people knew what to take, and then others came as well. How was word getting out? There's clearly something going on. This has caused the Democrats to suddenly take the matter seriously. Nancy Pelosi out there saying we got to do something all of a sudden. Uh, Pelosi for a while had been very adamant that we really didn't need to do anything about crime, that it was a local matter. It certainly wasn't a matter for the federal government. Here's Pelosi earlier today. She was at her, let's see if I can get my, my internet's kind of sluggish right now to come up. She was saying that uh, it's absolutely outrageous. There is an attitude of lawlessness in our country. The lawlessness has become the norm. Well, okay, I agree with Nancy Pelosi. Lawlessness is becoming the norm. But because of what? And now you will notice the Democrats, what are they doing? Instead of doing Build Back Better, which, by the way, Build Back Better was going to be also a criminal package. It's going to be a package. When you give people money, you pay for their kids to stay home. You pay for them to go to pre-K. You pay for them to stay in after-school programs. They're going to be out causing crime. This was going to be a crime package. It was going to be an everything package, a social infrastructure package, remember? And now they're scrapping it for the voting rights legislation. Why? Well, Eric Levitz is at the New Yorker or New York Magazine, not New Yorker, New York Magazine. The Democratic Party's odds of passing Joe Biden's signature legislation by year's end are long and getting longer. Little space remains on the legislative calendar. The Senate parliamentarian, who must adjudicate which provisions of the Build Back Better Act are immune from a Republican filibuster, is undergoing treatment for breast cancer. The final bill remains unwritten. And for the moment, it has at most... 49 supporters in the upper chamber. This is a problem. And not merely because punting Build Back Better to next year would hypothetically sap the legislation's momentum. The enhanced child tax credit the Democrats established in the American Rescue Plan will expire at year's end, absent congressional action. This means shortly after Christmas, 
in the midst of rising prices, just about every U.S. household with minor children will see its monthly income abruptly fall. It seems likely that this would be politically disadvantageous for the ruling party. It is certain that allowing the enhanced child tax credit to expire would increase child poverty, so he claims. Progressives tend to lay blame for this state of affairs on Joe Manchin, the Senate's lone Democratic holdout against Build Back Better. And for good reason, Manchin's allergy to both deficit spending and large tax increases on the wealthy compelled Democrats to downsize Biden's agenda. Now with inflation rising, the West Virginia senator is withholding support for even the diet version of the president's climate and social welfare plan. And yet, if negotiations drag on into January, Democratic leadership will bear no small share of the responsibility. In truth, this is the point, in truth, Manchin's position has been more consistent and coherent than many liberals allow. It's true. Manchin hasn't surprised anyone here. It's the Democratic Party. It's the Democratic Party. They are in disarray. Now, here's the thing. The Democrats, they can't get Build Back Better passed because of Democrats. So now they're going to try to pass their voting package. And instead of blaming Democrats, they will blame Republicans. They Republicans won't go along with it. Republicans won't give up the filibuster. Now, Elizabeth Warren and Raphael Warnock in the Senate want you to ignore the fact that you got to have the filibuster. Or you you got to got to get through the filibuster. They think somehow Joe Manchin is going to make an exception for the Voting Rights Act. No, he's not. He's already said he wouldn't. So what the Democrats can do now is instead of blaming themselves for a failure to pass Build Back Better, they can blame Republicans for not passing the Voting Rights Act. They can try to make the Republicans look bad. There's a problem. Does anybody see the problem? If Joe Manchin got rid of the filibuster, they could pass the Voting Rights Act. They could pass everything. So ultimately, it's still the Democrats' problem. They don't see it this way. They're trying to do something. Listen, I, I as a student of politics and policy, just on the merits, I I kind of I, I understand the Democrats' conundrum. I'm I'm sympathetic to it. But they did it themselves. They did it to themselves. It's terrible politics. How did it come to this? I I hope all of you, regardless of your partisan political persuasion, can understand this is really terrible politics. Everything this year by the Biden administration has been really terrible politics. The Biden administration canceled leases on, on federal land for drilling, raised regulatory burdens on the drillers, stopped subsidies from abroad, encouraged curtailing fossil fuels, and now gas prices spike, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we got to do something. Jennifer Granholm, the Secretary of Energy in 2016, was telling uh, energy companies in this country we needed to keep fossil fuels in the ground. Today, Jennifer Granholm, the same Jennifer Granholm, who's now the Secretary of Energy, is telling oil companies it's on them to drill more. In 2016, Jennifer Granholm says we need to keep it all on the ground. In 2021, suddenly she's saying it's on them to drill more. 
while the Biden administration has increased regulations to make it uh, cost prohibitive for them to do so. It's dumb. The Biden administration is going to stop fossil fuel subsidies around the world, tax credits, tax breaks, and the like. That's going to drive up energy costs in Europe and here. It's going to hurt the poor. It's dumb. It's causing energy price surges or one of the contributing factors to inflation. It's dumb. The president can't get Jerome Powell to raise interest rates. The president doesn't want him to raise interest rates. If he doesn't raise interest rates soon, it's going to spark even more inflation. It's it's dumb. The Democrats spent an entire year trying to do Build Back Better, floundered around and failed, and now they're abandoning it the week before Christmas after assuring us they were going to get it passed this week. The House Democrats, don't, don't forget this, the House Democrats voted on Build Back Better. Many of the more moderate Democrats in the House voted for it, claiming they would wait and see the CBO score They could vote against the final package. The CBO score came out. It was obscene. It's not paid for. So they made those House moderates take that vote. They took that vote. Now they're going to be on the hook for a vote for a piece of legislation that's never even going to be passed. It's dumb. And now they're going to jump to the voting rights legislation that can't pass the Senate because of the filibuster. It's dumb. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your politics are. I don't care what your partisan persuasion is. That's dumb politics. That's dumb politics. It's like they've forgotten how to play the game. Listen, at the end of the day, you may not like the game analogy. It's real lives. I get that. But euphemistically, it's called a game. You play politics. You do it in certain ways. And here, I think, is one of the things. This goes to something Peggy Noonan wrote this week about Kamala Harris, that Kamala Harris liked the politics of an issue more than she liked the issue. In other words, she was more interested in whether the the politics of the issue would help or hurt the Democrats, not whether or not the issue itself was good. And that seems to be the case here with the voting rights legislation. They can't get it past the Senate unless they kill the filibuster. Manchin and Sinema said they're not killing it for the Voting Rights Act. So what they're trying to do is use it to blame Republicans, hoping that helps them next year. Where people next year, I, I promise you this, Democrats, I promise you. I, I, I cross my heart. I hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. I promise you this. Americans, they don't care about the Voting Rights Act. Your base does, but Americans don't. They care about gas prices and food prices and crime and inflation, and you're missing that. It's dumb politics. I don't know what's going on with you guys. Now, I know what's going on with y'all, my listeners. You know next year things are going to probably go well for the GOP. Never underestimate a Republican's ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. But one of the groups out there that is trying to help the conservative movement is also a company that you can do business with. They can be your cell phone providers, Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile takes a portion of the profits that they make and they commit them to the conservative movement pro-lifers, Second Amendment, veterans, first responders. You can do business with them and they share your values. They are not a woke company. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. 
patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You get discounts. You're an NRA member. Discount. Veteran. Discount. First responder. Discount. Large family multiple lines. You got it. Discount. Teacher. Discount. They give great discounts. They're good people, too. 100% U.S.-based customer service. You can call them. 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. Or just go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can see their coverage maps. See what you can get from them. Data, 5G, wireless voice, you name it. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. The phone number, should you wish to be on this here program, is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are in the United States of America, they can help your business grow. You need access to big loans, six figures and up. They've been doing it since the early 90s. They know how to help you where a lot of banks are just giving you the bureaucratic runaround. Go to FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. You know, over break, I was thinking about this, and I was texting back and forth with friends of mine on Capitol Hill. And I think I'm right, and they think I'm right, that the Democrats are trying to go home for Christmas with a blame Republicans message. With Build Back Better, they've only got themselves to blame. If Joe Manchin supports it, they get it passed. Joe Manchin's not supporting it. So they go home after championing Build Back Better. Well, it's going to be on them. They go home and they've been championing the Voting Rights Act. It's the Republicans who are the blame. The Republicans are the bad guys. That, it makes a lot of sense to me. They're trying to change the message, which also says something else to me. Like Kamala Harris, as Peggy Noonan pointed out, the Democrats like the politics of the issue more than the issue. The Democrats want to use the Voting Rights Act legislation to blame Republicans and turn voters against Republicans. They need to not be fighting with each other when they go home for Christmas. People are going to ask them. People are going to be frustrated with them. So blame Republicans instead. Highlight Voting Rights Act. Well, we tried. We even ditched Build Back Better. But we were finding consensus and we couldn't we couldn't do voting rights because those awful Republicans and no one's going to blame Joe Manchin, except the smart ones will, because he's still the impediment, won't get rid of the filibuster. They like the issue. They like the politics of the issue more than the issue. Y'all got to remember what's going to happen. They are going to go home for Christmas and progressive activists are geared up to antagonize not just Republicans, but Democrats as well. Progressive activists are going to go after the Democrats. They're going to cause a scene because they've got nothing. They didn't get Build Back Better. They got watered down infrastructure. Even if they got Build Back Better, it would be watered down. They're not getting the Voting Rights Act. They're not getting the Equality Act. They're not getting the Supreme Court members added. Elizabeth Warren has just come out in the last few minutes and said she is going to support adding four seats to the United States Supreme Court. Four more seats. It can't get passed. It won't get passed, and Joe Biden would probably veto it. Frankly, his own commission said not to do that. The Democrats don't really have anything right now, which means it's also notable they've taken the shift on crime, and they're screaming and railing about crime because that's an issue where the Democrats control everything in Washington, and they control the major cities. And by controlling the major cities— and Washington, D.C., and crime is out of control. It's an issue on them. Let's be real honest here, though. This is what comes with leadership. They control everything. If it were the Republicans and all these things were happening, they would be the ones getting the blame, except these things wouldn't happen 
with the GOP. Inflation wasn't a thing with Trump. Crime wave wasn't a thing with Trump. That's just the reality. A lot of these are problems invented by the Democrats themselves, and they've got to deal with them, and they don't seem to be able to deal with them because while as much as they want to blame the Republicans, really it's themselves who are divided. Now, when we come back, one thing that's uniting Democrats and Republicans a lot these days is China. And I want to talk about that because China is about to hire American social media influencers to pitch the Olympics to you and me. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no, it's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 